2, verse 8 is where we will start. Probably a familiar passage to most of you. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. We'll read through verse 20. Luke chapter 2, we'll start in verse 8. Let's pray and we will jump in. Father God, we come to you and we thank you that we can come here, dear Lord. It, it is a, a real blessing and a real joy that we can come and worship you. And we thank you, God, for being good to us. And God, I pray that you just bless this time that we have tonight and let us, let us give you our full attention. God, we might have come in here with problems or worries or God, just ready to get home after a hard day, but I pray that in these few minutes we'd, we'd listen to your word, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would do a good work in these words that we're going to read, and I pray that you'd help us to know through this passage tonight that we have a lot of reason to rejoice, and that we would we would follow these example of these these shepherds, dear Lord, that when they heard the good news, they, they, were, they were rejoicing, dear Lord. They were glad to hear it, and I pray that we'd do the same. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the announcement of Jesus' birth and the significance of that, that Jesus is our Savior and that He is the Emmanuel that is to come. That is, when Jesus came, it was God with us. And we talked last week about the wise men, and, and they probably came sometime later. It's almost certain that they did, probably months, perhaps even up to two years later before the wise men arrived on the scene. But here tonight in Luke's account, we have a story of the shepherds. And they arrived, it appears, on the very night that Jesus was born. And so in the verses at the beginning of Luke chapter 2, we see that Jesus is indeed born. There was no room for Mary and Joseph, and so they ended up sleeping in a in a, in, a, in a place where the animals would have been kept. And there was Jesus, the Son of God. He had been born and a humble birth. Jesus had a humble life, and it started with a humble birth. And there was Jesus, the Son of God, born and placed in a manger. And then in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, In the same region, that is the same region, same area where Jesus had been born, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now you can imagine probably what that must have felt like, and that's similar to what we see often in Scripture. When angels appear to people, it is obviously a powerful experience because People, when they see angels, they respond with fear. And you can imagine, you're out there, you've probably been in that field many times shepherding your sheep, and then out of nowhere this angel appears, and the glory of the Lord appears, and here this angel stands before these shepherds, and they are terrified. But then in verse 10, the angel speaks to them, and it says, But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look. I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And indeed, 
the announcement that night was good news and great joy. That's the the uh, slogan we see with Operation Christmas Child, right? Good news, great joy, because just as the angel brought the news of Jesus' arrival to the shepherds that night, when these shoeboxes that we make are handed out, these kids are told about the same Jesus. They're told about a Jesus who come. It's good news. Why is it good news? Well, it's good news because of bad news. The bad news was, hey, look, you're a sinner. All the people of Jesus' day, before Jesus, all the people of our day, we are sinners. We are sinners and we cannot save ourselves. The only way that we can be forgiven of our sins is if God himself intervenes for us. If, if God himself comes in the flesh, if Jesus in the flesh dies for our sin to be the perfect sacrifice, that's the only way that we can be forgiven. So before Jesus, it was bad news. Bad news, God requires perfection. Bad news, God requires atonement for sins. Bad news, this blood of the animals that you're sacrificing is not going to be sufficient. Bad news, you're going to have to face judgment because of your sin. That's a lot of bad news that we get. But then the angel comes and he stands before the shepherds and he says, Do not be afraid because I've got some good news for you. And so he says, I bring to you good news of great joy. And that does bring great joy when we hear the good news. Good news, God loves you. Good news, God is going to provide a way for you. Good news, even though you don't deserve it, Jesus says, I'm going to suffer because I want to be with you for all of eternity. So the good news is that we can be saved of our sins. And that brings great joy. It takes the burden off of us. We don't have to earn our salvation. It takes the burden off of us to think we have to be good enough. And we look at Jesus and we say, thank you, Jesus, because I'm not good enough, because I can't carry the burden of my sin. But thank you, Jesus, for forgiving my sin. And when we come to Jesus and we realize our sin is forgiven and the weight of that has been taken off of us and placed on Jesus and Jesus gladly took that, there's great joy. There's joy to know that this world is not the, the end all, that this world is not the best we have. That'd be pretty rough if this world was the best we have. But God says, I've got something better for you. And so we have joy knowing that God will be with us in this life and God will take us to be with him in the life to come. And the angel proclaimed that. Good news, God's plan is on track. Good news, God's sending his only son, Jesus, so that he can die on a cross so that God can forgive you of your sins and have a relationship with you for eternity. And that good news brings with it great joy. And who is it for? Well, the angel tells us who it's for. It is for all people. For all people who will come to Jesus Christ. For all people who will trust in the Son that God sent. It is good news of great joy. Apart from Jesus Christ, there is no good news. There is no good news apart from Jesus. If Jesus had not come and died on a cross for us, we wouldn't be in here tonight talking about any good news because there would be none. But because of the good news, it brings great joy. And it is for all people who will listen to that and accept that. And that's the message that we want to get out into the world. We don't always maybe go out preaching and and teaching scripture, but even by the way we live our life, we, we show the love of Jesus Christ to those we encounter 
in the world. And so the angel did indeed proclaim a good message that night. And in verse 11 it says, Today a Savior who is Messiah the Lord. Now this is, this is two descriptive terms of who Jesus is. He is our Savior and He is our Lord. If he, is not our, if he is not our Lord, he is not our Savior. If he is not our Savior, he is not our Lord. Jesus occupies both of those positions in our life. When we come to him, when we hear the good news, hopefully we accept that good news of Jesus. It brings great joy, and Jesus becomes our Savior, and he becomes our Lord. When we humble ourselves before Jesus, we say, Jesus, I am living for you, not for myself. I am making you the Lord of my life. You are the Savior of my life. I have come to you and trusted you, and you have saved me, and you are the Lord of my life. And so Jesus here is described to us as both Lord and Savior. If Jesus is your Savior, he has to be your Lord. You can't just go to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, I know I sinned, save me, and then I'm going to go back living for myself. That's not the way it works. If Jesus is genuinely our Savior, he will be our Lord. We will humble ourselves before him, and we will live for him. And then he says, today a Savior who is Messiah the Lord, or Christ the Lord, that means the same thing, was born to you in the city of David. Now let's talk about that very briefly, because uh, sometimes in Scripture, I would say probably most of the time when we see the city of David, it is a reference to Jerusalem, but here it is not a reference to Jerusalem, and, and uh, more specifically, it's a reference to Bethlehem, and the, and the shepherds get that as we read on in the story, because as soon as the angel leaves, they say, let's go straight to Bethlehem, and so they understood the city of David as being Bethlehem, uh, and I don't know if there are any other passages in Scripture that, that refer to Bethlehem as the city of David or not, because typically we think of that language as Jerusalem. But it's not contradictory here. This, this would fit because uh, we see in 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, verse 1, when the Lord spoke to, to Samuel about going to get a king, uh, he said, How long are you going to mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have selected a king from his sons. And so Jesse was in Bethlehem, and his son David became the king. And so when we see here the city of David, it's not, uh, it's not a contradiction or a, or, or a misprint. Uh, indeed, David was from Bethlehem, and the shepherds rightly understood this message. And so the angel comes, he tells them the good news, and he says, hey, look, the Savior, the Lord, he has been born in the city of David. Now, how were they to know when they discovered this, this Savior? How were they to know which child was the Savior? There might have been several children born that day or, or close there too. When they're going in there looking for a newly born child, they may not be able to tell the difference between one who was born today or yesterday. How were they to know which of these children was the Savior? And the angel tells them that in verse 12. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. <clears throat> and so how are they going to know? The baby was going to be wrapped up and he was going to be in a feeding trough. Now, I don't know how common it was that day for babies, newborn babies, to be placed in a, in a feeding trough. I'm going to guess that it probably was very uncommon. 
that probably did not occur very much. And so when they saw a baby laying in a feeding trough, it would have been something that would have been unique, something that they would have probably recognized. Now, while we're on this verse, I wanted to comment briefly on something in the last couple of years. And here recently, I didn't even know of, of, of this tale until yesterday. I was, I was, I was, it was mentioned in the apartments and I, I was scratching my head because there's a tale that uh, back in the day, shepherds used to wrap their lambs in, in swaddling clothes and place them in stones. Now, I've, I've seen that on Facebook. Uh, Michelle shared it with me last night. She saw it. I scrolled through the feed today just to see, and I saw that there, and I see a lot of people commenting on that, and I wanted to, to mention that because there is no evidence of that at all in the Scripture. That was no command of God to wrap baby lambs in swaddling clothes and place them in a stone. Uh, I won't say that that did not occur. It's possible that, that shepherds did that at the time, but I have not been able to find any sufficient evidence that I would say, hey, this is a biblical teaching, something that God commanded his shepherds to do, and that's why this is applicable to his shepherds. It is possible that that is the case, but I would say if you hear that story, uh, just be cautious because that's not any kind of command in Scripture. Now, uh, in some way, we make it say that stories like that are harmless. After all, there's nothing There's nothing at the surface bad there because Jesus is the Lamb of God. And so to say, hey, this was a, a foreshadowing of, of Jesus as the Lamb by the fact that these shepherds wrapped these lambs in cloths, well, that's okay. But we don't have to go outside of the Bible to know that truth. And the problem with things like that that sometimes we take is we may take those stories and pass them on as though they are scriptural. And if you pass up on enough of those stories one day, perhaps somebody will look for that story and they'll say, wait a minute, that's not in the Bible. And it may cause them to question other things that they have heard. So when you see stories like that, be careful. Even if they may not say anything on the surface that's necessarily uh, unbiblical or horrible, uh, we want to try to stick with what Scripture says. And I don't know uh, that there's any scriptural evidence to support that or any evidence uh, elsewhere. Uh, perhaps that was a uh, something that shepherds did. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Uh, but it was definitely not a command by God. But we can clearly see from Scripture that Jesus is the Lamb of God without stories like that. Uh, one great example is John chapter 1, verse 29. John the Baptist speaking here says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then a few verses later in John 1.36, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And in 1 Corinthians 5 uh, verse 7, cleanse, uh, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened, for Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And then we see again in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, for you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect are blemish. And so it is clear to us in Scripture that Jesus is indeed the Lamb of God, and we see that in multiple occasions in this passage. Is it possible that stories like that are true? It is certainly possible that that is the case, and maybe that is why the angel used that language, or perhaps the angel was just saying, hey, 
this is a unique circumstance. You're going to know the Savior because he's going to be in the feeding trough. And that's not something that probably happened very common. What was the feeding trough made out of? Was it made out of stone? Possibly so. Could have been made out of wood. Could have been made out of anything. We simply do not know. But the point of the story is that Jesus had a humble birth. And the, the sign was going to be Jesus in this feeding trough, in this manger, so that the, the shepherds would know who this Savior and Messiah was. Then in verse 13, Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying. Now, you can imagine how miraculous this must be. I mean, seeing an angel would be a miraculous experience. And here we see a heavenly host. This could have been hundreds, thousands of angels that could appear. appear. Who knows? It probably was a lot of angels. And here are these shepherds. They're, they're getting this great news. They're seeing this amazing thing. And all of these angels appear after the news is announced and they begin to say glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. And indeed, this good news would lead to peace because, because of our sins, we are not at peace with God. But because of the forgiveness that we have through Jesus Christ, we can be at peace with God. And so this good news that was brought is 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 used by these angels here to praise God, glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. But what about those he doesn't favor? What about those who reject him? Well, they won't experience the peace of God. But those who hear the good news and accept the good news will experience the joy of God and the peace of God. In verse 15, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Now, uh, similar to what we saw with the wise men, here's a proper response. We see many people in Scripture who don't have a proper response to Jesus, but the wise men had a proper response. What did they do? They, they saw the star, they, they knew the Messiah was born, and they came looking for him. Here we see the same thing. The shepherds hear the good news. They don't just say, well, that's pretty interesting. Let's go back to work and get these sheep and take care of them. No. When they hear the good news, they say, let us go straight away. Right now, let us go to Bethlehem and see what the Lord has made known. We want to go see the Messiah. We want to seek him out. And then in verse 16, they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. And so they knew, here's the one. Just as the angels had told us, here is this baby wrapped in these swaddling clothes and lying in this feeding trough. Verse 17, after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Can you imagine the shepherds telling this story? Were people going to believe you? What a, what a fantastic story. These, this angel appears and tells you of the birth of the Savior and the Messiah, and then a whole host of angels appear. And then you, you go and you find this child that's the Savior of the world, but yet he's, he's born and he's laying there in a feeding trough. And the shepherds tell this story to people, and they were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. In verse 19 it says, But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard 
just as they had been told. What an amazing thing that must have been for Mary. For, for any mother, it's probably a pretty phenomenal experience when you give birth to a child. It's got to be probably the greatest day of your life. And, and imagine Mary giving birth to her first child, but on top of that, all of these things that have surrounded it, the, the angels appearing and, and the fact that shepherds are coming here and, and soon these wise men would come and, and all of these <coughs> excuse me, things that have occurred in Mary's life, not only is she giving birth to a child, which is fantastic in and of itself, but she is giving birth to the Son of God, and Mary is meditating on these things. She's treasuring these things up, and, and what a glorious day that must have been for her. And when the shepherds had come and seen Jesus, they returned glorifying and praising God. They heard the good news. They went to find the Messiah. When they found the Messiah, they went out praising God. And that's the pattern that God wants all of us to follow. He wants us to hear the good news. We read his word. He wants, he wants us to share that good news in the world so that other people can read his word, that they can hear about Jesus, that they can know who Jesus is, so that they too will come to Jesus. Just as when the shepherds heard the good news, they said, hey, we got to go look into this good news. We want to see this Savior, this Messiah. And that's been the response, hopefully, of all of us. And that's what God wants to be the response of all people, that they will all experience his peace. And the shepherds returned glorifying God for all that they had seen and all that they had heard. <clears throat> what about you and I? Have you, have you begun to seek out Jesus? Have you, have, you, have you heard the good news in Scripture and you've gone to Jesus and you've put your faith in Jesus? Are you praising God? Maybe you're not. Maybe we get kind of slack sometimes. Maybe we don't give God the praise that he deserves but God deserves much praise and just as the shepherds were amazed at the news they heard just as they came before the king just as they left praising God let us do the same let us follow Jesus and trust Jesus and know that he is the Savior and the Messiah and when we leave this place let us praise God in our hearts as well let's pray Father God we come to you we thank you for these good words and I pray God that you would help us to Follow the example of these shepherds and the wise men that we talked about. God, let us have the faith of Mary and Joseph with all the, the, the announcement of Jesus' birth and all that went on with that, dear Lord. Let us, let us be strong enough to trust you and stuff don't always make sense to us where it may seem kind of strange, God. If you, if you lead us and, and guide us in a certain way and put something on our heart, let us be faithful to, to do what you lead us to, dear Lord. I pray that we seek you. Uh, in, in your word. I pray that we see Jesus in your word. I pray that we come to you in your word, dear Lord, and I pray that we praise you for all that you do through Jesus. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.